0: today we're excited to conclude our Overflow series uh, with a good friend of mine, Greg Taylor. Greg, he serves as one of uh, the advisors, the outside advisors for First Christian Church. Uh, but with that, one of the unique roles he's played, you know you have that friend uh, who's kind of like, you could say like the glue, like the party planner, the one that's always kind of in the middle getting everyone together. Well, I would say for Greg and our church and our relationship with so many of the churches in our community in the Midwest, Greg has always been that party planner, that rallier, who has been really a big part of the opportunities that we have had as a church uh, to pour into other churches. And so thankful for Greg and how he has poured into us and specifically today, excited to hear how God is working in his heart that out of the overflow of that, he is going to speak to us here today. And so with that, would you welcome Greg Taylor to the stage here at First Christian? Well, man, it is great to be at First Christian Church. I love this church. I first learned about this church in 1991. I had just started living and doing ministry in Mawequa just south of here, and our preacher at the time wanted to stop by and meet Pastor Bowman and to see where this church has traveled from 1991 downtown to this difference-making, impacting church in 2023. God is doing such great things. I wanna start by saying a word about the worship team. Now, it is a long weekend for your worship team. Don't they do a great job? Wasn't that a wonderful worship service? (laughs) Love so much the commitment, it takes so many to make this happen. And I wanna say a word about my friend Wayne Kent, was able to do ministry with him for many years and 28 and a half years of ministry here at First Christian, Wayne and Leslie, such a blessing, and the pastoral transition that's taken place. Um, From my perspective in Danville, it's went just great. You're so blessed to have Brian and Jessica Tolte leading your church. Will you give it up for them? They're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. I love your leadership team, your elders, the admin team, the staff, the ministers, And, and I think there's a couple things that we as a church can do. Let's love our leaders. You know, we live in a day and age where we're skeptical of every leader that's out there. Let's love our leaders. Let's support our leaders. And here's the most important thing you can do. Let's pray for your leaders. Pray for Brian, pray for Jonathan, pray for everyone that wakes up every day serving in the name of the Lord right here at First Christian Church. Well, you know this, but our God is the giver of very good gifts. And three weeks ago, the pastoral advisors, which I'm honored to be a part of, we were in town for a couple days, and I was here on Monday, but I flaked out Monday night and made a quick trip to Kansas City, because this is what happened on Tuesday. I became a grandpa. That's my grandson. (laughs) Janner Paul uh, uh, just such a just a blessing. Now I, I've been disappointed this weekend. No one's come up to me and said you're not old enough to be a grandpa. Not one person has said that. But um, a lot of people my age are starting to have grandkids, and it is such an absolute blessing. That's a great gift. But you know, God's greatest gift of all is, of course, Jesus Christ, His Son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He Gave, And I wanna talk today about what I believe is my life verse, the one verse of scripture that I try to keep right here as I I do life as a Christ follower, as I serve in ministry. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, it reads like this. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's a reminder There is hope for anyone and everyone, even people living outside the grace of God for whatever reason, even people that maybe used to be a part of a church but no longer are today. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's a reminder I can't be content to live in a Christian bubble, and you can't either. We're called to be salt, we're called to be light, We're called to make a difference in the name of Jesus. It's a reminder that this new creation life, it's a gift from God made possible only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God's greatest gift of all. So I wanna look at a passage of scripture that's near and dear to my heart. It's in the overflow of my heart and I hope it will move you today as well. It's from the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote half the New Testament. He's writing to a church in the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth is a disaster. Uh, The church is struggling in a lot of ways. Paul writes the book of First Corinthians, and it's kind of like a spiritual spanking in a lot of ways. He's really letting these Christians know many of the things they're not doing right. Maybe he felt a little regret that he was too harsh, but anyway, he writes 2 Corinthians. It's more encouraging. It's more comforting. And this passage of Scripture, I think, is exactly what we need to hear today. So hear this word of the Lord, Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Paul writes these words. He says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so quickly this morning, I wanna look at six realities of the new creation life. And number one is this, the new creation life requires a different perspective. Look at verse uh, 16. Paul says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And what Paul is really talking about is how we view the world. And what Paul is saying, when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, you need to now have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. All of us who are here today, all of us who are in the East Auditorium, all of us that are watching online, we have a worldview, whether we realize it or not. And one of the things that is a positive as we grow as followers of Jesus Christ is we begin to develop this biblical worldview, this Christian worldview. So here's a question. How do you view the people in your life? The people that you work with, the people you go to school with, the people that you live near, even the difficult ones, even those who are different, The people who have a passion for politics that's different than your political leanings. The people that live in that community, whatever that community is, whether it's Decatur or Warrensburg or Moroa or Moequa or Jenna or Macon or Mount Zion. Paul says simply, but very importantly, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. It's a call for us to embrace Today. Here's number two. Secondly, the new creation life provides a radical transformation, a radical transformation. Verse 17, that's my verse. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, she's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You know, Paul knew something about a radical transformation. If you study the book of Acts, you read that Paul wasn't always a gospel preacher. Paul wasn't always an author of epistles, Paul wasn't always the greatest missionary the world has ever known. You know what he was before he was a preacher? He was a persecutor of Christians. In fact, we read in Acts chapter nine that Paul, his name was Saul at that time, he's on the way from Jerusalem to Damascus to persecute Christians, to arrest Christians, maybe even to kill Christians, and he is literally blinded by the light, and everything changes. And he hears from Jesus, and he learns that he's on the wrong team. He learns that he's doing the wrong thing. And he goes from persecutor to preacher and author and missionary. That's a radical transformation. And this verse, verse 17 reminds us that there are no throwaway people. There's nobody in our life that is without hope in Jesus Christ. I wanna show you a picture of my friend Trinidad, Trinidad Hernandez, one of the first people that I met when I moved to Danville four years ago. I had no responsibilities that Wednesday night, just come to church and hang out. And then the guy that was leading the men's Bible study didn't show up for whatever reason, so then I had some responsibility. I was helping the men's Bible study, but I didn't have a lesson with me, so we just kind of hung out and heard each other's stories. And Trinidad, I'd seen him into worship, loves the Lord, but I learned that before he became a follower of Jesus, he was a gang member with the Latin Kings. And he started telling me about his former life And how Jesus radically transformed him from gang member to Christ follower. And we got ready to leave and we were praying. And the challenge was, let's pray for someone in our life that's living outside the grace of God. And he prayed something that I'd never heard before. It shocked my system. He said, God, I pray that my former gang members will come to Second Church of Christ. And I opened my eyes. I was like, really? Here? Our church? And yeah, that's right. Because if Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Who in your life is living outside the grace of God? Who in your life right now is separate from Jesus that needs the new creation life? Here's number three. I love number three. The new creation life gives Christ followers a crucial ministry. We have a crucial ministry Paul says in verse 18 that all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us, catch this, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. A lot of times when we think ministry, it's time to do ministry, we think of Brian and Jonathan and Adam and Heather and Thomas and Tim, your ministry staff. And we think, well, we're the people that come to church and we get the cup of coffee and we sing the songs and if we're on the funeral dinner team, we bake a cake, which is always good for the cake bakers with the funeral team. That's awesome. But we don't really think of ourselves as ministers. They're the ones that do ministers. We don't. And Paul turns that idea upside down right here in verse 17. If you are a Christ follower, hear me loud and clear, God is calling you to the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation and right now some of you are getting nervous. I can see it in your eyes. You're thinking, I don't know if I signed up for that. I've never had a Bible college class. I haven't been to seminary. There's a verse that changed me in this arena years ago when I came upon it. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul's just really talking about what he saw unfold, and here's what it says. He says, I planted the seed. My friend Apollos, he watered the seed, but God brought the growth. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God brought the growth. 20 years ago, when I would go and visit someone and share the good news of Jesus Christ, and they wouldn't make a decision right then, I would walk away and I would think, well, I failed. I did something wrong. I didn't have a good enough illustration to move them emotionally, or I didn't share the right scripture. I had the wrong mindset. I was thinking I could force people to become followers of Jesus Christ. I can't do that. You can't do that. But you can plant seeds of faith, you can water seeds of faith, and call on the Lord of the harvest to bring spiritual growth. You never know when God is gonna move a heart. And I've heard testimonies after last night and after nine o'clock service this morning of people that are saying, I'm planting seeds, I'm watering seeds, and I'm not seeing the growth yet. And you know what I say? Keep planting seeds, keep watering seeds, and keep imploring the Lord of the harvest to bring the spiritual growth. Paul reminds us here in the text that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Friends, we have an important, crucial ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Here's number four, so good. The new creation life gives Christ followers an important calling. If you're an underline in your Bible kind of person or a highlight on the app kind of person, I would recommend you highlight this part of verse 20. It simply says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I want that word picture to swim in your mind and to live in your heart and to flow to your hands and your feet. What's an ambassador? Think about that. What's an ambassador? Crucial role in our government. Well, they're not the president. They're not the queen or king, if it's a country that has a monarchy. it's not the legislature. it's not the judiciary. An ambassador is simply a messenger. They're a mouthpiece. They communicate on behalf of the country that they serve. And so, simply put, an ambassador for Christ, we tell the story of Jesus. We plant seeds of faith. We water seeds of faith. Sometimes we wonder, though, what's that really look like in 2023? What's that really look like in the Midwest, in the heartland? I wanna tell you about my friend Brian. This is a picture of the Morgan family from Cayuga, Indiana, and Earl and Eileen, awesome people, they're with Jesus. They passed away not long after this picture was taken, but Brian is in the left-hand corner, and you know, Brian's like an ordinary guy. He's a farmer, but he's loved Jesus his entire life, loves being at church, loves to be able to serve however he can, and last December, he had this fever, this 101, 102 fever that just wouldn't go away. The Tylenol wasn't touching it. The Advil wasn't touching it. And after about two weeks, his wife, Tracy's like, we're going to the doctor. And they, they sent him to the emergency room and on a Friday night in early December, they received a diagnosis they weren't expecting. They thought they were gonna get like the high-powered Tylenol and they got the diagnosis that Brian had acute leukemia. And his life's never been the same, quite frankly, physically speaking. He's been in the hospital for months at a time. He had a stem cell transplant back in April. Um, didn't get to spend Christmas with his grandkids. Spent a lot of time in isolation and alone. And about two months into a hospital stay, IU Medical in downtown Indy, one of his nurses came in and she said, you know, Brian, I gotta ask you something. It's kind of a dangerous question because I don't know what you're gonna say, but..." Um, are you up for a tough question? He's like, absolutely, I'm an open book. And she said, you know, this is a dark place. Not a lot of joy on the cancer wing. There's not a lot of joy with people going through an acute leukemia diagnosis. But I've noticed that you're different. I've noticed that you're always joyful. I've noticed that you're always upbeat. You're always encouraging me. I don't get it. I need to understand it. And he said, pull up a chair. And for 45 minutes, he told the story of Jesus right there in the hospital room. And she was blown away. She had no idea. And he said, I hope I'm cured. I hope I have many years left. But he said, I know that the best is yet to come. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God we're making his appeal through us. I wanna tell you one more story. It's a story of softball. We have any softball fans here? Uh, you know, I hear that Millican has a pretty good softball team. They won like 31 games last year. But um, my guess is they can't stand up to the Oklahoma Sooners. The Oklahoma Sooners have won three consecutive College World Series. They are a softball juggernaut, and this year at the College World Series, an amazing thing happened. I still can't believe what happened. It was between Game One, Game Two. The Sooners had won Game One; they would win Game Two and win their third straight College World Series. But the NCAA mandates that these teams go to press conferences, and what happened at this press conference? It is gold. Check this out. Back row, left. Alex Scarborough, with ESPN, for, for the players, I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious, it's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in?
1: Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think coaches said this before, but... Joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, would, that's really the only the only answer to that, because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, i went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college, I've talked about this before, but i was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy, I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day, I didn't know what to do for that following week, I didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that, and I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose, because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here, and we want to win, but, it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah. um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And Um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and and our love for each other and our love for the game because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for. And that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like, shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home. And I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our father. And I'm so excited about that. And yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. And um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end, um, when we're with our, our king. So
0: Patty.: uh, That's pretty to good, isn't it? And, and really work with these players. That's pretty incredible. I guarantee you, ESPN had no idea what was coming. The NCAA had no idea what was coming. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Brian Morgan sees the day. Those Oklahoma Sooner softball players seize the day. I gotta tell you, I think I bleed orange blue. I really do, if you cut me, I think I bleed orange and blue, but I'm cheering for the Oklahoma Sooner softball team moving forward. Here's number five, let's move on. The new creation life is possible only because of God's amazing grace and his unending mercy. You know, up to this point in time, this text is very practical. Don't look at anyone from a worldly perspective. Uh, The new creation, the ministry of reconciliation, we are Christ's ambassadors. And here, Paul really turns doctrinal. He, He gives us the gospel in a nutshell in verse 21 when he says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us on the cross, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says very simply, I received this from the Lord, I'm passing it on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And I share that with you. I camp out here for just a moment because in our world today, I think there's this idea going around that if I'm a good person, that's good enough. If I do good things, that's gonna move the heart of God. And here's the thing. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. Should you be a good person? You should be a good person. Don't be a bad person. Be a good person. But what we really need is a savior, a messiah, and his name is Jesus. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's God's amazing grace, it's God's unending mercy. Here's number six. I'm almost done. And you know, most preachers stop right here, they stop with verse 21 because it's the last verse in the chapter. But when Paul wrote this, there were no chapters, and his thought process is not over yet. That's why we need to look at number six, crucially important, the new creation life demands urgent action from Christ's followers. You know, Brian, I've loved this series. I don't know who came up with this series, but I love Pastor Michael and Pastor Roger and Wayne last week, it's been great. I was really moved by Michael's message three weeks ago. 4,000, I think is what it was called. And just the idea that, man, we're not promised forever. We're not promised tomorrow. That's why in chapter six, verse one, Paul says, as God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He says, now is the time. Now is the day. What's it mean, do you think, to receive God's grace in vain? I think it might look like this. You're living for Jesus. Your eternity is secure. You know you're gonna be dancing on those streets of gold. You go home from worship at First Christian after the awesome worship set and communion and encouragement from the word and you start thinking about people in your life that are living outside the grace of God. And you find yourself seeing it's gonna be rough for them, but I know that my eternity is secure and you don't do anything about it. That might be what it looks like when we receive God's grace in vain. I got one final story I want to tell you. It's about my friend Sonny Lucas. In a word, Sonny was a wild man. I mean, he was one of those guys. You remember the Sesame Street uh, thing, which one doesn't belong? Like that was Sonny at church on Sunday morning. You like look at him and you're like, did you get the wrong address? But Sonny man had this spiritual thirst. He had this spiritual hunger and he started coming to a 10 a.m. Tuesday morning Bible study. And just spoiler alert, most of the time when churches have 10 a.m. Tuesday morning Bible studies, it's the old people that come. And I love old people. I'm, I'm for old people. But we would have our Oasis Bible study and there'd be like 50 people in this section over the age of 70 and then like Sonny and his girlfriend sitting right there. And Sonny was one of those guys didn't really have the filter that most of us have even at church. And so he'd think it and he'd say it. Some of the most unique and inappropriate compliments that I've ever received from a sermon or a lesson came from Sonny. But again, spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty. And I began to push Sonny saying, you know, Sonny, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never confessed that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. You've never been baptized And he'd always say, Pastor Greg, I know I gotta do it. But he always seemed to have something that was keeping him from making that decision that was holding him back. One time he said, you know, I just, I don't know if I'm done sinning yet. I just don't know if that's where I'm at. Well, two summers ago, we we took August, most of August off from the Oasis Bible study, and I really challenged Sonny on the way out the door the last Tuesday in July, and he's like, you know, you're right. I need to give my life to Jesus I need to be baptized. When we come back from summer break, I am doing it. And I thought to myself, yeah, right. I've heard that story before. And on Tuesday, August 24th, Sonny came into the Oasis Bible study and he's got his swim trunks in his hand and he's like waving them like a flag and he's like, today's the day, today's the day. And this happened that day after the Bible study is Sonny declared with the entire Bible study, I believe Jesus is the Christ, he's the son of the living God and I accept him as my savior and my Lord and he was baptized and I'm telling you, that's as good as it gets. There was a celebration going on at Second Church of Christ on a Tuesday morning in August. One of of my favorite days of ministry. And then four days later, that Saturday night, Sonny was out riding his motorcycle and he missed a curve and he died. He died that night. I couldn't believe the news. Honestly, I was telling Brian afterwards, we were gonna introduce him and tell a story Sunday morning at church, and he didn't show up, and I was ticked. I was like, what's he sleeping in for? And then his ex-wife called me and said, you're not gonna believe it. Sonny is gone. And people hear that story, and they say to me, what a tragedy, Pastor Greg. And it's not a tragedy. It was almost a tragedy. Because I heard Sonny say the last words I think I heard him say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, he's the son of the living God. And his funeral was sad, there were tears that were shed, but it was a celebration because Sonny was with Jesus. That's why Paul says don't accept God's grace in vain. Now is the time, now is the day. I humbly say if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, today is the day, don't wait another and so, your bottom line, First Christian Church, is pretty simple to remember. The new creation life, it's as good as it gets. Not because we are awesome, not because churches are awesome, but because God is awesome. And because Jesus Christ, his son, died a criminal's death on the cross so that we can become the righteousness of God. So, how do you wrap up a message like this? What's the, the takeaway? Where do we go from here? I have two challenges. Number one is this. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, for whatever reason, don't wait another day. Don't put off for tomorrow what you know God is calling you to do today. There's still time to sign up for baptisms, right? Baptism, get an ice cream cone. It's gonna be a glorious day at Lake Decatur. We'll be up front following the service. If you've never made that decision, I'm as serious as I can be, I would love to talk with you. Brian would love to talk with you. Adam would love to talk with you. But you know, for most of us, we made that decision a long time ago. I made that decision 47 years ago. It means I'm getting old, that's what that means. So what's my call? What's our call, those of us who are Christ followers? The call is to be Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal through us. The call is to embrace this ministry of reconciliation. We need women and men to be meaningful and passionate and regular witnesses for Jesus. You know, I told you the story of Trinidad and the story of Brian and the story of Sonny. They're just regular people. They're just ordinary people that love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and tell the story of the hope that comes only in Him. So will you embrace 1 Corinthians 3, 6, to plant seeds, to water seeds, to sow seeds of faith, and to call on the Lord of the harvest, to bring spiritual growth? Don't ever give up on people. There are no throwaway people in God's kingdom. God is the author of every good and perfect gift. If anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. First Christian Church, that's a really good word. Let's live it. Pray with me, please. God, we thank you for this day that you've given us this time to worship. We look forward to remembering Jesus through eating bread and drinking juice. We thank you for this word in 2 Corinthians 5. God, help us to embrace that new creation life. Help us to embrace the ministry of reconciliation. Help us to be Christ's ambassadors and help us to do it today with boldness and courage. It's in your name we pray, amen.